Well, good morning. I hope you are uh, having a good morning this morning. Uh, I woke up this morning and realized that winter is definitely on its way. Uh, it seems that the sun is coming up a little bit later and going down a lot sooner. And so uh, we see the seasons changing and here in the Cape, it's just such a beautiful time of the year. Weather's been perfect, but uh, yeah, it certainly is getting a little bit more difficult to get up in the mornings. But as the seasons change, we continue. We continue in, in uh, our series, uh, working our way through the book of Romans here at Cross Central Church, exploring Paul's letter to the Romans and uh, introducing his gospel to a church he's never visited, uh, never been to, but would like to visit uh, on his way to ultimately evangelize Spain. And so Paul's been introducing us to his gospel, and we've seen many repetitive themes just being re-emphasized and this morning is no different as we once again, Paul once again wants to just make the point uh, of, about the relationship between the law and grace. And I think the reason why Paul is making this such a, such a, um, a very important part of our understanding of the gospel is because we are so prone as human beings to legalism. We are so prone as uh, human beings to, to want to inquire about what is the bare minimum we have to do? What does the law say? What do we have to do to be saved? And so the great emphasis of these first seven chapters, as we've seen, is that we are not saved by anything we can do. We are not saved by our good works, by our good deeds, by our personality. Uh, in fact, we are not saved by anything, any human trait or any human talent or ability. But we are merely saved by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so in last week in Romans chapter 6, we've seen Paul addressing two possible objections to his teaching on righteousness that comes through faith alone and two rhetorical questions and we saw them in chapter 6 verse 1 where Paul says what shall we say then shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase and of course his answer is an emphatic by no means so we don't go on sinning because we are under grace in fact grace brings change chapter 6 verse 15 the second rhetorical question what then shall we sin because we are not under law by no means so if we're no longer under the law, does that mean we have freedom just to continue sinning and living as we please, Paul says, by no means. So in answering these two questions, Paul has made some very profound statements about those who believe in Jesus Christ. And the first is in verse 11, uh, in response to question one, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. So important fact, number one, that you and I need to just bear in mind as we come to the text in Romans 7 this morning, is that we are dead to sin but alive to Jesus Christ. We are made alive to Christ. And secondly, we are set free from sin and are slaves to righteousness in verse 18 in response to the second question. So we are free from sin and death and we are now slaves, slaves to righteousness, dead to sin, slaves to righteousness. And so Paul now moves on in his argument to define the role of the law in the life of the believer again for us just to make sure that we get it what is the what is the place of the ten commandments uh, in our lives today what does the law then play what role does it play in our lives today um, i mean are we as believers as christians even bound to thinking about the ten commandments uh, is the old testament relevant still to believers today if we are no longer under law and this leads us to a third rhetorical question that we find in chapter 7 verse 7 what shall we say then? Is the law sin? And Paul is going to be telling us, certainly not. So the law is certainly not sin. The law is certainly not uh, evil. The law is not um, something we despise. 
Uh, and so Paul wants to make sure that even though we are no longer under the law, we still value and we love the law. And so in our world today, we literally have three groups or three people, areas of, of thinking around the law. Uh, and when, when we think about God's law, there are three camps really. And the first of these is the legalists. So legalists are those who fear the law, uh, still see themselves as uh, under the law and are in fact in bondage to the law. So legalists living a highly a life of legalism, of, of obligation to the law. The second camp you get are what we often refer to as antinomians. antinomians. So coming from the Greek word nomos, which means law, anti, so anti-law. So you get those who hate the law, believe it is no longer relevant, believe it is, the Old Testament is no longer applied to us, throw your Old Testament away because it's no longer applicable to the life of the believer. So you get those who are very strongly in, in the antinomian camp. And of course, there's a third group of people. I think this is the group of people that Paul would desire us to be part of. And that is the law-abiding free people. Law-abiding free people. People who love the law uh, and see it fulfilled in Christ and so are set free but still love the law. So the, the law, uh, Jesus' death on the cross, sets us free from the consequences of the law, the judgments of the law, and may, helps us to love the law because the law is then the perfect reflection of the character of God. And so out of these three camps, the legalists, the antinomians, the law-abiding free people, my prayer this morning is that we would fall into the camp of the law-abiding free people. We are not legally bound by the law. Uh, we are not anti-the law, yet we are uh, in love with the law because we are in love with Jesus. So being in Christ frees us up to be perfect law-abiding citizens. So let us pray. Let us read this text uh, in the first seven verses of Romans chapter 7. And let's unpack a, a little bit this relationship uh, of the law between the law and Christians. So let's, um, let's pray first and then we'll read the text. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word is truth. I pray that you give us much wisdom as we understand the relationship between the Ten Commandments, the law, and grace. Help us to, to have, a, have a biblical view that enables us to walk in freedom, yet love and embrace the Old Testament law. Uh, Father, may we, uh, may we truly be set free from legalism. May we truly be set free from hating the law and seeing the law as a bad thing. Uh, Father, may we, may we just have a balanced view that changes and shapes our life as believers today. Oh God, we long to live and walk in freedom, the freedom of the cross. Uh, and yet we long to also be more and more like Jesus. And in doing so, become perfect law-abiding citizens uh, of eternity. And we pray this in his precious name. Amen. So Romans chapter 7 verses 1 through to the end of verse 6. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I am speaking to men and women who know the law, that the law has authority over a man or a woman only as long as he or she lives. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law and is not an adulteress even though she marries another man. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who raised 
from the dead in order that we might bear fruit to God. For when we are controlled by our sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law, uh, when they were at work in our bodies, so we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What shall then we say? Is the sin law is, is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what was sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. Well, just so far. So, uh, what the first thing we notice from this text, and there's only two, two observations really from this morning's passage of Scripture that I'd like to share with you. The first of those is found in the first four verses, verses 1 to 4. Very clearly, Paul states that we have died to the law in Christ. So we have died to the law in Christ. Look at verse 4. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. So we might belong to another. Paul's already said that told us that we are slaves to Jesus. We belong slaves to righteousness. We belong to another. So we've died to the law. We now belong to Christ, the one who fulfills the law in every way. So Jesus is the perfect law keeper. He's the one who keeps the law on our behalf, fulfills the law. And so when we are in Jesus, we are slaves to righteousness, slaves to Christ. We belong to him. But in Christ, we have died to the law. You see verse 1 to 3, Paul has used this beautiful example, a very practical example to explain what he means when he says we have died to the law in Christ. So he says, do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to men and women who know the law, that the law has authority over a man or woman as long as they live. So as long as uh, they are alive, uh, the, uh, the law has authority over man and woman. For example, a law by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he's alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. So then if she marries another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law and he's not an adulteress, even though she marries another man. So what a beautiful little example to explain this picture of being dead to sin, dead to the law. So a woman, Paul says, is bound to her husband as long as he's still alive and breathing. So if she marries another man while he's alive, she's an adulteress. If she marries another man when her husband has died, she's actually released from that law of marriage. And so through the finished work of the cross, we have therefore died to the law. Uh, in the same way, uh, we have now died to sin, we are now alive to Jesus Christ, so that we might bear fruit for God. So the law in Christ, the law has died. So when Jesus dies, when Jesus says it is finished, well, Jesus fulfills the law perfectly. He is the perfect law keeper and he dies and along with him the judgments of the law. So in Christ the law dies. In Christ the law no longer has authority, no longer has reach over those who are in Jesus. In fact the law only stands against those who are not in Christ. 
So if you are not in Jesus this morning, you are still under the reach, under the grip of the law, like a woman who is committing adultery, like a woman who is living, uh, who has remarried or, 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 or another man while her husband is still alive. That's the picture, isn't it? So if you are giving yourself over to sin as a non-believer, you are still under the judgment of the law. But if you are in Christ, the law has died in Christ. The, the effects of the law, the consequences of the law, the judgments of the law no longer have hold authority over the believer. And so we are set free from the judgment of the law if we are in Christ. And the reason is that we might bear fruit to God. So legalism has no place in the life of the believer. So legalism, believing that we still have to somehow fulfill the law, believing somehow that we still have to be good enough and we have to keep the law in order to be saved, has no place in the mind of those who are in Jesus Christ. If I'd somehow keep the Ten Commandments and I'm just a good person, then I'll be saved. You often heard those, hear those words. Well, that's the words from a legalist who is, who is committing adultery, really, according to Paul's example. So if you are living, believing that somehow you need to still keep the Ten Commandments in order to be saved, but you are under Jesus, then you're an adulteress or an adulterer. In other words, you cannot serve two masters. In Jesus, the law has been fulfilled. The requirements of the law, the judgments of the law for, demanded for your sinfulness are met and paid in full. And so when the price is paid, you have been bought with a price. You are no longer under the law. You are no longer under its judgments. And so Paul says in verse 4, we belong to another. So you belong to Jesus. You no longer belong to the law, to him who was raised from the dead. So Paul makes it very clear that rigid law-abiding legalism, graceless acts of obedience and ritual, actually stand in opposition to the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. So someone who is saved by grace but trying to keep their faith through good deeds is an adulterer. So listen to Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 to 5. Beautiful words that Paul writes in Galatians 5 verse 1 to 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You hear those words? Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, verse 2 of Galatians 5. Uh, I, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to it all. Again, I declare every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. So Paul says, if you're going to go back to the, the law, Galatians, if you're, going to, uh, have, if, you're going to have to, if you're going to consider circumcision as necessary for faith, then you can't just obey that part of the law. You have to obey the whole law. You put yourself back into slavery. Verse 4, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So when we revert to legalism or when we try to maintain our faith through legalism and legal acts of, of trying to be good enough for God, we fall away from grace. We alienate ourselves from Christ. But verse 5 of Galatians chapter 5, but by faith... We eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith 
expressing itself through love. See, so we belong to another. We are no longer under the law. We have died to the law in Jesus Christ. Jesus was the perfect law keeper. He alone fulfilled all the requirements of the law. And in doing so, he became the perfect sacrifice for us. So in Christ alone, in Jesus, we become perfect law keepers. In Jesus, we become perfect law keepers. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 to 18. And this reminds us of this. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, listen to this, by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with him after that time, says the Lord. I will put my law where? In their hearts and I will write them on their minds. So the law is in our hearts in Jesus Christ and on our minds. Then he adds, their sins and all law, and, and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where, where, where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin necessary. So see what Hebrews is saying, the writer to the Hebrews is reminding us again, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, makes us perfect law keepers once for all. And so in Christ, we are no longer under the law, under the judgments of the law. So these verses from Hebrews chapter 10 remind us that not only are we forgiven and set free from the judgment of the law, but at the same time, God's law, notice this, God's law is written on our hearts and in our minds when we are in Christ. So we are not anti-law because the law is written on our hearts. The law is only hated by those who are breakers of the law. Those who are obedient to the law, are not threatened by the law, love the law, and in fact, she call for the law, don't we? I mean, we don't hate the law because the law uh, in our society, law keeps order. It keeps things in place. It's only the criminal who, who, who is breaking the law who hates the law. So in Christ, we no longer stand in fear to the law. We no longer stand under the fear of judgment. We stand in the grace and the mercy of God because the judgment that was demanded by the law for our sinfulness has been taken on Christ and fulfilled by Him. And so we are changed from the inside out by the Spirit of God, not from the outside in by the law. The law can never change the heart. It can never save you. It simply points you and I to the need to be in, to be in the perfect law keeper. To be under his authority, we are then declared perfect law keepers. So grace provides the freedom and the strength for a life of total obedience. And that's the, thing, the second thing we notice from these little seven verses. So the first thing we've, we've explored is that fact that we have died to the law in Christ and what that means. But notice secondly, grace produces obedience to the law, not lawlessness. So the very grace in now in which we stand, the product of it, it produces obedience. So obedience is the product of faith in Jesus Christ, not lawlessness. So grace doesn't give us permission, unlicensed permission to live and do as we please. Now, in fact, 
grace produces law keepers, not lawlessness. Notice from the second half of verse 4 to, to verse 7. So my brothers, you also died to law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, and notice this, in order that we might bear fruit to God. Bear fruit to God. So when we were dead in our sin, weighted down with our own guilt, we were unable to keep the law, and this produces more guilt and shame. See, there was this cycle at work, this terrible cycle of judgment and sinfulness and guilt and, and, and more sin and judgment and guilt. This terrible cycle um, is, is at work in the life of unbelievers who, who, who do things that do not honor God. And we see that in many world religions today, don't we? People trying, trying desperately week after week to offer sacrifices, to do things, to do more, to counteract their sinful nature and to appease the gods that they serve. Well, Christianity and being in Jesus is totally different because we no longer have to rely on our good deeds, our sacrifices, our rituals, our prayers, our fasting, our beating the body in order to, to earn our salvation. And that's the sad tragedy of so many in stuck in millions of people in stuck in different religions in our world today, which is driven by the need to be better through what we do. And Christianity is totally different. Verse 5 to 6, For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies, so that we bore the fruit for death. But now by dying to what was once what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. So what Paul is saying is so beautiful, isn't it? Once we were like slaves to sin, we were found guilty by the law and held in chains. And we were trying to do whatever it could take to, to free ourselves from the judgment of the law. Uh, and, and notice that serving the sinful nature, Paul says, is bearing the fruit of death, that we bore the fruit of death. So legalism bears the fruit of death because we will never, ever, ever be able to keep the law. You without Jesus will never, ever be able to be the perfect law keeper. And so what, what happens? Legalism, obligation to the law, bears the fruit of death, the marks of death. We are captive to death. But notice what Paul says, in Jesus we are released, we are set free from the law. We are released from the law so that we may serve in a new way. So we no longer are, are obligated, we no longer serve because we have to, we now serve because we want to. See, that's the difference between legalism and true faith. Legalism is a demand that you have to do and you feel like you are carrying the weight of the world, trying to earn something that you can never really achieve. But yet in grace, we walk in freedom. We no longer are obligated, but we want to. We have a desire from within the new way of the Spirit to follow Jesus. And Jesus describes this new way of the Spirit for us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all of you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, one of the most significant things that I, I, I watch as I watch documentaries on, on different world religions, I just see how weary people become, how burdened people are with their sin, how desperate they are for forgiveness. And on a, a trip to Thailand where we went into one of the temples, 
It was the saddest moment of my life to see this massive gold statue, this massive big gold Buddha, and total inanimate objects uh, built by the hands of human beings standing almost two stories high and people falling before him, weeping, uh, bringing offerings, bringing sacrifices, weeping and begging for forgiveness. You see, this is wearisome. This is the burden of guilt and sin under the law, isn't it? Uh, and, and notice that that statue just never brings rest. There's only one who can bring true rest. Give your heart rest is Jesus Christ. And it happens by coming to him. All you are weary and burdened with your sin, with the, the, the religion, with the burden of trying to prove yourself. Well, come to Jesus and he will give you rest. Verse 29 of Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn for me. From me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. See, the yoke that we are called to take upon is the yoke of grace, isn't it? Not the yoke of the law. The yoke that we, we take from Jesus, the, He carries it for us, doesn't He? He carries our burdens. He's gentle, He's humble in heart. And, and notice when we are in Christ, we find rest for our souls. So grace sets us free, grace reminds us that we are we, we you know it, it brings peace with ourselves and peace with our own sinfulness and brokenness we no longer find ourselves burdened by our sin or we shouldn't or the guilt of our sin because we have taken the yoke of the cross upon us um, and and Jesus is humble notice that humble and gentle in heart he treats us humbly and gently uh, it's not like the law that stands harsh and, and, and stands against us with the, the harsh judgments of when we break the law, this is the consequence. Now Jesus is gentle, he's humble, and he promises us rest. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, folk, in Christ we serve in a new way, Paul says, the way of the Spirit, not the old written code, Okay. And so please, can I ask you, let's free ourselves from the burden of legalism because we are no longer under the law. So we actually follow a new pattern of life, a way of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God in you, the comforter, the reminder, the one who will convict you of sin, righteousness and judgment. And so when we walk in the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit, we are convicted by the Spirit. And so it's a relational, uh, it's a relational way of life. It's a relationship with a living Savior. It's not a relationship with a written code. No, it's a living relationship with the Son of God who paid the price, who, be, who, who being the perfect law keeper, kept the law on your behalf because he knew you couldn't do it. And so if you are standing guilty this morning, if you are walking with a burden of sin on your shoulders, the burden of your brokenness, may I ask you to give it to Jesus. Let him carry that yoke that you are carrying. Let him lift that burden so as you look over your life, all your failures, all your mistakes, all your shame that so often form your identity and, and form the guilt that, that now devours you. Well, can I ask you, just give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus because there is no failures in the kingdom of God. You know, all those failures are redeemed. All those failures are forgiven. All those, that brokenness is totally forgiven in Jesus Christ. His burden is light. So find rest for your soul in the truth of these words, that we are released from the law, released from the judgments of the law, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. 
And then may we, may we be introducing people to grace, not to the law, as we share about Jesus and follow and walk in this new way of the Spirit. You see, the way of the Spirit sets us free from the requirements of the law. And the new life, this new life changes the heart, uh, changes the heart and captures the very heart, in fact. It captures the very heart and the very spirit of the law. The very essence of the law is caught in the spirit. John Piper says the following, And the reason that being under grace and not under law produces love and obedience and not lawlessness is that God pours out His Spirit into our hearts, into the hearts of justified people. And the Spirit, what the Spirit does is work a newness from the inside out. See, the Spirit is working a newness from the inside out. He writes the law on our hearts and shapes our will into a Christ-like loving service. I'm going to read those words again. He writes the law on our hearts and shapes our will into a Christ-like loving service. We are freed from the letter carved in stone or written on paper, an external list of duties pressing on your will from the outside to comply where there is no heart to comply. You have died to that. So we have died to, to the written letter, the words carved in stone with a heart that is warring against the law. No, in fact, our hearts are changed by the Spirit of God and we now become law keepers. Where we once used to bear fruit for death in verse 5, we now bear fruit to God. Listen to Galatians 5 verse 13 to 25 again. Galatians 5 verse 13 to 25. He says, Paul writes, he says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather serve one another in love. You see, this is the new way of the Spirit, isn't it? This is what the Spirit works in our hearts to produce. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, see this is the way of the Spirit that, that Paul's talking about in, in Romans 7. He's in, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, purity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. But I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5.22, that very famous passage of scripture, but the fruit of the Spirit... Remember Paul in Romans chapter 7, he said we are set free to bear fruit for God. Well, what is that fruit? Well, verse 22 tells us of Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful, sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. See, the fruit of true faith, folk, will, will be seen in the lives of the true believer. The fruit of the Spirit, the love for the law, the, the, the lifestyle that honors God and honors the law will be seen in the life of a believer. 
our lives will be marked with a desire to fight against our sinful nature and live for the glory of Christ if we are truly in Christ. And so, as I said, the desire, the law itself is perfect. The law is wonderful. The law is a perfect description of the character of God. The law describes to us, shows us how holy and how righteous and wonderful God is. That's why we don't hate the law, because the law is a reflection of the character of God embodied in Jesus Christ. And if we are in Jesus Christ, we will have a desire to be law keepers. We will have a desire from the led by the Spirit, fueled by the Spirit, to live in a way that honors God, that honors Jesus. A life of a true believer is a life of freedom and a life of fruit bearing. So grace allows me to follow Jesus and to walk in obedience to him. It sets me free to love the law and, and, it, and see it as holy and wonderful because I'm no longer afraid of the judgments when I drop the ball. So we do not hate the law like many people do. The judgments of the law still stand against those who are not in Jesus Christ. But you and I who are in Christ, we are set free. We hide ourselves in the perfect law keeper, our Savior Jesus Christ. He himself said, not a single letter of the law will be lost. Not a single iota will be lost. But every letter of the law will be fulfilled in him. Uh, so, so the letter of the law, the requirements of the law, are fully satisfied in Jesus, completed on the cross. And so when we read the Old Testament law, we need to always ask ourselves the question, how is this law fulfilled in Jesus? How does Jesus change this or complete it? How does he, or does he remove its direct application to us? And I might add that all the ceremonial laws, all the sacrificial laws, have totally been fulfilled in Jesus and no longer apply directly to us. The ceremonial and sacrificial laws no longer directly apply to us. And so when reading these, we've got to be careful we don't draw the direct application into our lives. It's got to go through the cross where it was fulfilled. And so we are no longer called to wear purple robes and hang cloth and, and, and go through all the ritual of the ceremonial ritual of the Old Testament. That has all been fulfilled, complete, nullified in Jesus Christ. It no longer applies to us. But the moral law is totally satisfied in Jesus Christ. The moral law is completed in Jesus Christ and is still applicable to us, though. The moral law has never changed, has it? But Jesus Christ, on the Sermon on the Mount, a wonderful picture of how the law applies to us today. In fact, the moral law is enforced even stricter, isn't it, under Jesus? For example, when when Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, You have heard it said, but now I say to you. See, he reinterprets the moral law for us. He says, for instance, murder. You know, you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But I tell you now, if you are angry with your brother, you have committed murder. See, Jesus actually makes, helps us to realize how serious the law is. It's not just about the act. It's about the intention behind the act or the heart. And, um, and so Jesus makes it very, very much, much tougher. So, so if you were sitting saying, well, I'm not a murderer. Well, Jesus says, if you've been angry with a brother or sister, you are a murderer. And adultery become, also becomes a heart issue. You know, it's not just about committing adultery. It's about even if you look at somebody with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And so these reinterpretations of the law in Matthew chapter 5 and 6 are, are great examples from Jesus for us. And when we read them, we realize the law has always been, the moral law has always been a hard issue. 
a war against sin and sinfulness. But we know as well that the moral law has been fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. And so the judgments of the law no longer stand against you and I. We are set free from the law and we are set free to live bearing fruit to God. In verse 7, we've been released from the law that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not the old way of the written code. And so my prayer for you is that you would walk in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. My prayer for you this morning is that if you are battling with your sin and guilt and shame, well, bring it to, to Jesus. Find rest in your Savior who has perfectly paid the price for all those sins. The law no longer stands against you if you are in Jesus Christ. You are set free to live. Uh, you are set free to, to walk in freedom. And when you fail, know that the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, covers that sin and removes the judgment for that sin. So the key to living the Christian life, the key to bearing fruit for God, the key to Christ-exalting life of love and sacrifice is to die to the law and to legalism and not to be joined to a list of rules but be joined to a person to the risen christ the pathway to love is the path of a personal spirit dependent all satisfying relationship with a risen christ it is not a duty to keep the commandments the sad indictment on the church is when the world says, well, Christianity is just a set of rules. Where did they get that picture from? Well, they got that picture from believers who are still living under the law, still hitting the world with the law, still condemning the world with the law, and probably not teaching enough on grace and mercy because we fear that if we teach too much on grace, people will take advantage and, and, and abuse that. And that's exactly what Paul is addressing in chapter 6 and 7, reminding us that we can never teach enough on grace because the effects of grace, when grace and mercy and the love of Jesus grip someone's heart, they are not moved to lawlessness and sinfulness. No, they are moved to God. They are moved to a new way of spirit. They are moved to, to living in a way that honors God and bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit which draws people to Christ and honors our Savior. And so may we be sharing the grace and the mercy of God with the world. May we be walking with each other in love and not hammering each other with the law and with the legalistic requirements of the Old Testament. No, may we be speaking grace, mercy, and forgiveness to one another because that's the new way of the Spirit. And may we walk in the new way of the Spirit this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this great reminder that we are set free from the judgment of the law. Thank you for this great reminder that we are no longer condemned under the law. Uh, and yet, Lord, we love the law because it reflects your beautiful holiness, the perfection of our God. And we see the perfect law keeper, Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the perfect law keeper. In his life, we see uh, how perfectly he lived, how perfectly he honored you. And yet he was sacrificed and killed on the cross. And in, in dying on the cross and using those words, it is finished. We are reminded this morning from Romans chapter 7 that all the requirements of the law, the, the judgments of the law, this perfect law that stand against us as sinful human beings is totally removed in Jesus Christ. 
that we are no longer under the judgments of the law, no longer bound to the law. We have died to the law and we, are, we now live to Jesus. And I pray that we would live in a new way of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God would be convicting, leading, directing, and pointing us to Jesus, that we would be living in such a way that brings glory and honor to Christ, not because we have to, but because we desire to, because our hearts have been changed, because we have been changed from the inside out. And may we extend the same grace and freedom and mercy to those in the world, to those around us, that uh, that's the same mercy that Jesus Christ has extended to us. Oh Lord, forgive us for so often being so judgmental, so hard, so, so, so vicious with the world. We use the Bible to cut and to slice and to, to try and convict and we try and do the work of the Spirit. But we pray that you would help us to speak love and speak grace to people who desperately need it. That the grace of God might release them to follow in the new way of the Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.